Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Well, before I continue, before I start, I just want to um, give honor to Pastor and Brother Roberts and this tremendous opportunity that they've given me to come and teach in front of you guys. Um, I can't believe it's the last Sunday in November. You know, time flies when you don't do anything. Time really does fly. Um, thank you for standing. Uh, we're going to start this morning um, in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 7 and verse 14. Now, lately we've had, you know, teachings about stuff that brings us back to the foundation of a Christian living. Uh, Sister Monk did an amazing job last week teaching about the importance of worship and praise. Um, Brother Henderson, I think, the week before that taught something similar to bringing the foundation. So today I'm going to go a little off, but I'll be teaching about a, a subject here. And we take from my text in Second Chronicles 7.14. It should be up on the screen. And I'll be reading from the NIV version. It should be a little different than what it is up there. Which says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, that's a good promise, amen. We can just sit there and just teach and preach about all, about this promise that God has given us. But the subject I'll be teaching about today is God is listening. Amen, God is listening. All right, you guys may be seated. We already prayed. Um, I want to begin this morning with laying out, just saying, you know, that many of us have found ourselves on both sides of this situation or, or the same problem. And that is when we're talking to someone and it is clear that they're not listening to us or paying attention to us for that matter. Uh, most of the time when we're talking to someone who has no interest in what we have to say, we sometimes find ourselves talking to ourselves. Amen? Now, I have found myself on both sides. I've been on the receiving end and on the giving end of not paying attention or trying to tell somebody something, and it's clear that they're not listening. Um, for example, when, when I ask my father-in-law, me and him, we like to fix our cars because we buy broken down cars, and I ask him, hey, how do you change the brakes? He's sitting there explaining step by step, and I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, n n then what, then what? And he's trying to explain, but I'm trying to get to the next step because I really don't care <laughs> for the process. I just want it done. So sometimes I, I want to get the, the finished product without going to what it takes, you know, to do that. When I watch a tutorial on YouTube, you know, how to do something, you know, there's a lot of how-tos on YouTube. Um, I find myself skipping, <laughs> skipping parts. Then I get to the end, I try to do the same thing, and I'm like, hold on, let me go back and see what, see, see what I missed. Because it doesn't look the same, you know. Or when, you know, when I like to cook a lot and... Most of my recipes I get from my mom, and I call her, hey, how do you make this, this, and that? She said, okay, well, you got to, okay, then then what? She said, I'm not even done explaining. 
And Hispanics don't really use measuring cups. We use, like, our hands. So my mom's like, use this much salt. And then I use the same amount, but my hand is bigger. So when I pour it, it's like, I taste it. I was like, why is it so salty? She said, I told you to put this much. She's like, yeah, but my hand, not yours. You got big hands. <laughs> so, but now it amazes me to know that God always listens to me when I pray. I know sometimes we as humans find it difficult to make others listen to what we have to say. Now, I want to pause right here and uh, just give, give a definition or comparison between the word hearing and listening. Um, like any other person while doing research, we go to Google. So I Googled this, um, the difference between hearing and listening, and I, uh, one of these results came up. It said, hearing is the involuntary awareness of sound, while listening is a voluntary effort that one makes to actually pay attention and understand something or someone that you hear. So when it comes down to it, you hear with your ears and while you listen with your brain. Now, going back to our text, we begin with a glorious promise of God. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, uh, I'll repeat it once again. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, here's the promise. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Uh, chapter, I mean, Verse 15 continues and says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayers offered in this place. Now God is waiting for a noise to come out of us, a cry, a prayer, to position us in a place where he begins to hear. And once he begins to hear, he, he will pay attention and he will listen to us. Now you guys are going to hear me say that a lot because that, that just really got to me and I use it throughout throughout my teaching today, but God hears us when we pray. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, and I don't know about you, but to me, that's an encouragement to pray, to pray more, to pray more often, to pray with more fervor. You know, last couple weeks back, we talked about fervent prayers and the importance of that. And I'm glad to know that God hears my prayers. Now, in the Word of God, uh, you know, the Bible contains several promises related to prayer. Um, I could stand here all morning and just go scripture by scripture on every one, but I want to point out three of them. Uh, the first one is John 15 and 7. Uh, the NIV says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you want and it will be done for you. Mark 11:24 says it this way, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Um, Matthew 21 and 22 says it this way, if you believe, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. Now, these promises are conditional. There's a condition to these, prom to these promises through prayer. Um, John 15 and 7, it tells us, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's a condition that we must follow in order for us to receive or for what we want to be done to be done. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four again, he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. That's a condition right there. You have to believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Uh, Matthew 21 and 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. There is, again, belief. You have to believe. That's a condition that God has given us in order to receive for that what we ask in prayer. 
and we begin, I want to break down this uh, scripture that, from our text where we started. And it begins by, God begins by saying, if my people who are called by my name. Now, who is he talking to right there? God is talking to us. Now, how do we know we belong to him? Romans 8, 14, and 15 says it this way. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who follow him, that's us. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, that's a term of endearment right there. That's, that's, that makes it personal, a personal connection to him. And we cannot call him Abba, Father, if we're not his, if he hasn't adopted us yet. Now, through the Holy Ghost, we are adopted, and we can be called his. Amen? Now, I, while reading the, the book of Romans, um, I came across a, a commentary that, that really stood out to me. I, I usually don't quote other people's, you know, uh, words, or I try not to, but this, this really stuck up to me. Um, commentary, it only said David, his first name, it didn't say his last name, so I can't really, you know, give him, give him any credit. But if your name is David, you can take credit for all this. So the commentary says, and it's, it's speaking about Roman adoption in the first century after, after, after death, A.D., says, in the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was no way inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature. And under Roman, under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the adopted child changed completely. The adopted son lost all rights in his old family, and gained all new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out, with all debts being canceled, with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. Now, that sounds like baptism, doesn't it? When we're baptized, we go in the water, we become a new creature. The old is wiped away, it stays in the water. We become a new creature. That's why baptism is important. Uh, it's important for your salvation. You know, uh, Nicodemus asked Jesus, what do we need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Uh, John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, uh, Verily, truly, I tell you, or verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of their spirit. So baptism is really, really important. We have to be born again of the water and spirit to be called his. Amen. Second Corinthians uh, 5 and 17. Uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now that's something to rejoice about. Uh, now continue breaking down our, our text from this morning. He continues... If my people call by my name, we, uh, we already did that. I'm sorry. I want to expand on this a little bit. Now, to whom did Jesus make these promises? And these are, I'm talking about the promises that I read earlier in the book of John, Mark, and Matthew. Uh, he made these promises to his disciples. Um, 
And what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Uh, Mark 8 and 34, it makes it very clear what Jesus is asking of us to be a disciple. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. If you want to be called a follower of God, you need to do these things. You need to deny yourself. You need to take up the cross and you need to follow him. You cannot be called a follower of Jesus if you don't follow him. All right, the next part of my text, uh, of our text that we read this morning continues, uh, God is saying us, if my people who are called by my name, then he says, he gives us the instruction right here. Here's the conditions that we must do in order to receive that promise. He says, we'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, that's, that's the lifestyle that God wants for us. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to pray, pray daily. He wants us to seek him and turn away from our wicked ways to stop, stop sinning. Uh, God wants to carry out his will in this rebellious world, but he will not violate our power of choice. We still have the power to choose whether to follow him or not. Uh, we must humble ourselves, amen? Uh, James 4, 4 through 6, um, uh, James is speaking. He says, don't, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that jealousy longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, and he's quoting from Proverbs here, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, this scripture deals with two of the conditions that, that we listed in our text, that are listed in the text. Uh, which is turn from your wicked ways and humble ourselves. Now, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. If we want the favor of God in our lives, we must humble ourselves. Now, we can't let our pride get in our way, and we hear people say that a lot. Um, and there's a good reason why people say it a lot. is because even people in the world know and acknowledge that sometimes it is better for us to leave our pride behind, accept the help, and recognize that there are things that we can't simply just do on our own. And us as Christians, as people of God, must always choose to humble ourselves to him. We have to surrender our ways, give up pride, and remember that we are nothing without him. Now, how do we humble ourselves? We humble ourselves through prayer. Number two, it says we must pray. And continuing, so God made it simple. you got to humble ourselves. How do we humble ourselves through prayer? He says, and pray. Our people must pray. Praying goes hand in hand with humbling ourselves because it lets God, knows, it lets God know that we need him, that we can't do it without him. Prayer positions us in a place of humility, and that's what God wants. He wants us to humble ourselves, to remind ourselves that we cannot do it on our own. Uh, prayer should always be our priority. Uh, there's something naturally humble in true prayer because it recognizes that the answers are not in self, but they are in God. God promises something special to humble praying people. One of the mistakes or one of the misconceptions of prayer is that many people uh, view prayer or take prayer as an instrument to persuade God to do their own will on earth. The purpose of prayer should never be to have my will be done. Not my will, not my will. Now, I don't want my will to be done. I want his will to be done. 
we must remember that God is wiser than you and me. He's wiser than us. We must remember that his will is superior than ours. God wants to carry out his will in this rebellious world, but he will not violate our power of choice. Again, we have that choice. And at the end of the day, in a battle of wills, ours will always win. I was going to say that our will will always win, but that doesn't really make sense. Because we like to do what brings us satisfaction. Us as humans, we, we our flesh, we're looking through our flesh. You know, We want to do what our flesh wants. We think we know what is best for us, and we always like to go through the easy route. Now, Pastor reminded us uh, a, a couple weeks back that a man's wisdom is based on things of the past. One becomes wiser through situations that have been through that that we have been through, or that someone else has uh, went through. For example, if if I find myself in a situation where I don't want to be, I will learn from that. I will become wiser through that. As well, if I see somebody stuck in a situation where they don't really belong, I'm going to look at that and say, hey, I'm not going to take the steps they took to get to where they are. That's how I become wiser through other people. So, but God's wisdom is not based on things of the past. God's wisdom is based on things, based on the future, because he knows what is to come. So, he, so his will will always be better than ours. So we know that God's ways are better than ours and that his wisdom is far greater than ours. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, uh, the NIV says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now that's prayer right there. Prayer, has, prayer is a power we use to demolish strongholds. Uh, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's why we must humble ourselves and pray. Prayer is important. James said it this way, you don't have because you do not ask God. You have not because you ask not. You don't pray, you're not going to get whatever you want in prayer. Now, it doesn't mean God is going to give it to you. But that means that we're making an effort to ask. And, it, and sometimes it is just that simple. For us as children of God, prayer should not be the last resort. It should be our first priority. There's a great possibility that God is desiring. Amen. Thank you. There's a great possibility that God is desiring to give us that very thing that we've been desperately waiting for. And all that is required of us is to pray. Like I said earlier, God is waiting for a noise to come out of us, a cry, a prayer, to position us in a place where he begins to hear. And once he begins to hear, he will pay attention and he will listen to us. We must pray. The next part in our text, uh, God tells us we must seek his face. Uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, 12 through 14 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now, th there it is again. He's listening. But we got to pray. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your heart. I will be found, declares the Lord. So we must seek him with our heart in order to find him. He continues by saying, and I will bring you back from captivity. So he will deliver us from our sins, from our iniquities. God is saying, you are, you are captive right now in sin, but I will bring you back to captivity. Back from captivity, not to captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 and 29, 
the NIV says, but from there you seek your Lord, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You got to seek the Lord. Isaiah 55 and 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. There's still time to seek him. But seek him with all your heart and all your soul. That's what the Bible tells us. We must seek God. Like we like we lost something. You'll ever lose something? I've lost my glasses and I go crazy. I can't see. I mean, I see blurry. But I look for them like like I want to find them. That's how we, we must seek God without desperation. Amen. And last thing we, we got to do, our last condition, is that we have to turn away from our, from our wicked ways. God says, and turn away from their wicked ways. He's talking to us. We must abandon our bad behavior. <laughs> Though we like it sometimes, we must abandon it. It's not good for us. Uh, David says in Psalm 66, 16 through 20, now, this psalm here, I imagine David being happy about what he's saying, being passionate about it. He says, come in here, all who fear God. All of you that fear God, come listen to me. The church. He's talking to the church. Come in here, all of you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Now, David's getting ready to testify right here. He said, I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was in my tongue. Sister Monk said, praise is very important. If I had cherished sin in my heart, so David is saying, if I would have kept going with my wicked ways, if I hadn't turned from my wicked ways, he said, if I had uh, cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened, and he has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. David is reminding us that God will listen if we turn away from our sin, from our wicked ways. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, uh, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. You're not too far off on your sin to be saved. He can still reach you wherever you are in that hole and pull you out from your sin. Nor his ear is too dull to hear. This is what I want to get to. His ear is not too dull to hear. But your iniquities, your sins, your bad behaviors have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Here's where hearing comes in place again. Our sins have put us away from him so much that he is not able to hear us. It is important for us to repent because to repent means, to, means what, what does it mean? To turn away from sin. Amen? I'll read it once again. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I want God to hear me. Who, who wants God to hear me? Everybody should raise their hand. Ezekiel 18, 26, and 27 says, When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity he hath done shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he has committed and doth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. The New Living Translation says it this way. When, a right, when, when righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. 
Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. This is why sin is deadly. And if wicked people turn away from their wickedness, obey the law, and do what is just and right, they, they will save their lives. This has something to do with more than a promise of God hearing from heaven, forgiving our sin, healing our land. But this has to do with your salvation. God is saying, if you turn away from your wicked ways, your soul will be saved. Now, we cannot, and I cannot stress this enough, we cannot continue living a life full of pride, a life without prayer, a life without seeking God, and a life full of wickedness. Pretty much a life that positions ourselves in a place where God can't hear us. We cannot continue doing that. We know, or at least we should know, that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Romans 8.35 says, can, uh, they, they, uh, they're asking, can, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we, trouble, if, we, if we have trouble or calamity, if we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? The question is answered in Romans uh, 8, 38, and 39. He says, I am convinced. Now, he's saying this I know. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, God's love for us is unconditional. It is perfect. Nothing can compare to the love that Jesus has for us. That is why he gives us his promise that we, he will hear us, that he will listen to us, because he loves us. Now, he, here's where, where the promise comes, comes into play. So after we turn away from our wicked ways, after we seek his face, after we humble ourselves, after we pray, God says, and I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God is letting us know once you do these things, if, you know, if we humble ourselves, like I said, if we pray, if we seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, God promises us that he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sins, and he will heal our land. Uh, there God makes the promise personal. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to us. Because he does not say that I will heal the earth. We would love that, wouldn't we? Especially now. I mean, the earth is sick. The earth needs healing. It's going through a lot. Hate, uh, COVID, and all of that. You know, just, our earth is really sick. The earth needs healing. And while we would love for God to heal our sick and suffering world, we know that the prince of this world is wicked and, his wor and this world has no desire to seek after God. This world is not for us. This world has nothing to offer. We cannot love, love rather, this, this world if this world has no regard for us. 1 John 2 and 15, the King James Version says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is that simple. We cannot put all our focus, all of our time, all of our money on things of this world. We must choose him. 
We must choose God over the world because he is the only thing that can save us. This world cannot save us. Hebrews 13 and 14 says, For, for this world is not our permanent home. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. God has a better plan for us, and that is an eternity in heaven. Now, in our, in our text, God tells us that he will hear from heaven. God is listening, y'all. God is waiting for a noise to come out of us, a cry, a prayer, to position us in a place where he begins to hear. And once he begins to hear, he will pay attention and he will listen to us. I'm telling y'all, I'm saying that a lot. <laughs> Isaiah 59 and 1, uh, the Lord says, Behold, the Lord's hands is not shortened, it cannot, that it cannot save, neither his ear is heavy that he cannot hear. He's still listening to us. He, he wants to, to listen to us. He wants to hear us. Uh, Psalms 34, 14 through 15, uh, the psalmist says, depart from evil and do good. And what is David saying right there? He's saying, turn away from your wicked ways yet again. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. God is waiting for a noise to come out of us, a cry, a prayer, to position us in the place where he begins to hear. And once he begins to hear, he will pay attention and he will listen to us. I'm not saying God doesn't pay attention, just to be clear. He's paying attention, but we just got to remember that. All right, our second part, the second part of the promise, uh, God says, I will forgive your sins. I will forgive their sins. God will forgive your sins, our sins, rather. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our God is faithful, faithful. He is waiting for us to confess our sins in order to be forgiven. He's waiting for us to speak. Uh, and lastly, the last part of the promise, God says, and I will heal, heal their land. Now, our God is a God of healing. Miracles of healing are, are performed many, many times in the Bible. And we can spend a whole another uh, Bible study just talking about the times that God healed. Uh, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Brother Roberts only gave me 30 minutes here. <laughs> But in this case, he's talking about healing a land. Not just any land, but God says their land. He's talking to us. We have to remember that God is talking to us. So therefore, God will heal our land. We can make it personal and say that God will heal my land. And here's something interesting that I found about the word land. Now, the word land in the Bible is used in many different contexts. Um, I went online and I searched the many times that the word land was used, and it gives different examples in here. Now, the first example that it says about land is earth or the solid matter which constitutes the fixed part of the surface of the globe. Now, the earth is a globe for all of you that think it's flat. I think there's nobody here that thinks that. But it says they're on the globe, you know. The Bible says that. A kingdom or country or particular, uh, particular region that's, that's used as land. Also, 
talks about land uh, as a, gra a ground or soil or a part of the earth in respect to its nature or the quality. So it could talk about good land, poor land, uh, dry land, or moist land. The next example that, or the next way it's used is as the inhabitants of a country or region, a nation or people referring to a person, place, or thing. Now, I'm not an English major, but I know what a person, place, or thing is. That's a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. Now, we can substitute land where God says, I will heal their land, and put in a person, place, or thing. I will heal you. I will heal your family. I will heal your church, your home. That's a place or a thing. I will heal your family member. God is willing to heal you. And now we conclude on our text in Second Chronicles 7.15. Now here's, here's the, the promise, the, the other promise that God has given us. So now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears are attent. He's paying attention. He's listening unto the prayer that is made in this place. God's eyes are open. He is watching. He wants to see us act, to put these things into action. Not only we are seeking his face, he's also seeking us. His eyes are open, he says. God is waiting for a noise to come out of us, a cry, a prayer, to position ourselves in a place where he begins to hear, and once he begins to hear, he will pay attention, and he will listen to us. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing that, but I want you guys to know that. We need, to, we need a cry to come out of us, a prayer, a noise. Make some noise unto the Lord is what he says. God is listening. He never stopped listening. It was us who have decided to be prideful. We are prideful by not humbling ourselves. It is us who decided that we don't need prayer. We think that we don't need God's wisdom, that we can do it on our own. It is us who decided not to seek his face anymore. We don't want to be in a relationship with God, and all he wants is a relationship with us. It is us who have yet to turn away from our wicked ways. The Bible tells us that the mercy is new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. But yet we have decided to walk over mercy and continue in our sinfulness. Sinfulness, sorry, that's my voice right there. Now, I want God to hear me. I want God to hear me. Because I know once he hears, he will pay attention and listen. All right, I'm coming to my conclusion right now. If you guys don't mind uh, standing on your feet. Now, I don't know what, what you got, what any of you are going through right now. All I know is that he has promised to heal. He has promised to hear us, to listen to us. Um, something that needs healing means that it's not okay. Something's wrong with it. And there's no comfort when you're sick, when something is sick. We feel the discomfort in our world all around us. Because our, 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 our land is sick right now. We're sickened with sin, uh, the virus, you know, separation, uh, racism, all of that. But I know that God wants to heal us. But we must follow those steps. We must humble ourselves. We must pray. 
We must seek his face. We must turn away from our sin. So now uh, I want us to raise our hands. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to an end right now. Can we just pray unto the Lord God? We give you thanks, Lord God, for your word. Lord, help us seek you, Lord. I know you're looking for us, but help, help us seek you in this place, Lord God. Lord, humble ourselves, Lord God, through prayer. We humble ourselves, Lord Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge that we cannot do it without you, Lord. We need you, Lord, to intervene in my situation, for I cannot do it for myself. Lord, in this place right now, Lord God, I want you to intervene. I want your presence to be here, Lord, right now. Lord, we cannot do it in our own, Lord God, on our own. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for the word that was given today, Lord. I pray that we make application on it, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would use it. Lord, let us be doers of the words and not only hearers of the word, Lord God. Lord, listen to our prayers, Lord God. Lord, let our prayers be, be specific, Lord God, for what the needs that we have. Hallelujah, Lord, you're listening to us. We trust you, Lord. We trust your word. We know that you're listening to us, Lord. Lord, please forgive us for ever turning our backs on you, Lord, from not turning from our wicked ways, for continuing in sin, Lord, even though you told us not to sin. Lord, let there be less of me and more of you in me, Lord God. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.